someone once asked, like, well, when are you a writer? Is it when you get your first check? No, you're a writer when you commit to writing every day. Welcome. You are listening to the Jordan Baylor Draft, a podcast that inspires writers to push through their limiting beliefs and blow the lid off of their personal creativity. My name is Jordan Baylor, a filmmaker best known for my animated web series, Love the Moochers. Listen as I sit down with writers to talk methods, habits, lessons learned, and how to make a beneficial impact with your work. Today is a new draft. Rewrite yours and improve. I want to talk about putting your stake in the ground and stepping into your profession. What do you want to be? Now define yourself as that. I know it can be intimidating, but let's get it out of the way. Let's own it. If you have to say it in the mirror three times like Bloody Mary, whatever it is you have to do, say it with me. I am a writer. I am a writer. I am a writer. When you introduce yourself, say it as such. I've chatted with so many writers, and and some have actually introduced themselves as amateur writers. What the hell is an amateur writer? I've never picked up a book and thought, this dude is an amateur writer. Well, actually, I have thought that. But that's because the book sucked. But I never thought that the published book author, he's a professional author because he has a published book. He's no longer an amateur. He's in the game. Anytime you finish a a, a piece of art, you're in the game. You're no longer an amateur. You're no longer on the sidelines. Start to define yourself as that. I think the lack of confidence comes from our inner critic, the critic that makes us inhabit imposter syndrome. I personally got over that hurdle in the TV writing room. I've written so many screenplays um, with with film and and, and short films and, and done Tons of scripts in that format. But in the TV writing world, I really didn't understand the language. Anytime I tried to like kind of crack the code, I didn't, I just didn't really get it. So today's guest personally helped me out with this. And he is a giant in the TV writer's world. I was introduced to Michael Jammin from his course, The Showrunner's Guide to TV Writing, which is an immersive course that peels back the layers of television writing. And uh, in today's interview, we chatted on the art of TV writing, how he found his writing partner, finding truth in your art, and how to properly break the rules in writing. First, you must know them before you break them. When it came to TV writing, I had read like tons of books and I haven't been able to like really understand the language. I understood movie writing in the three-act structure. But TV writing is not so much. I felt like an amateur. I felt like an imposter. So I personally would like to thank Michael for uh, bringing me in the world and allowing me to say that I am a TV writer. Thank you, Michael. Enjoy our interview. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Jordan Baylor Draft, a series where we deep dive into the minds of writers, coaches, and industry creatives on what it takes to thrive and succeed as a writer. Our guest today is a veteran in the world of television writing. He's landed several writing credits, including King of the Hill, Just Shoot Me, Beavis and Butthead, Brickleberry, a personal favorite of mine, uh, Tacoma FD, and many, many, many more. Uh, Welcome to the show, Michael Jammin. How are you doing today, sir? Jordan, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I like to start off every interview and ask, who is Michael Jammin? 
Well, you kind of said it. You did a good <laughs> job. Um, I've been a sitcom writer for about 25 years, so that's kind of what I do. <laughs> that's why I'm right. a writer. Yeah. So that's how you define yourself. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I've and I've worked with a partner for the past as just as long. So we're also we show run, so we run we've run a bunch of shows. But we're all just writers, you know. It's just a different level of writer. So, and then you know, you get the title of producer, executive producer, and I always laugh at like. Ah, I'm <laughs> so how did you um how did you link up with your writing partner, and how did you know like this can be a person we can build a, a team with? You know, that's it's a good question. It's hard to find someone that you really gel with. I, I was uh, signed independently by a big agent mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, this is, you know, years, a couple years after moving out to Hollywood and uh, she blew a lot of smoke up my ass and you're going to be a big, you know, writer in three years, you're going to have your own show. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even want my own show. And she's like, every year I sign one baby writer to become a star and you're mm-hmm. the one. And I was like, all right. And then I kind of, and I, you know, felt great. Right. And then, um, I kind of sobered up and a couple of days later, I was just curious, like what happened to the baby writer before me? What are they, you know, what shows mm-hmm. are they running? And I got the name of one of them and I called him up and I was like, Hey, what show are you running? And he's like, dude, I work at a record <laughs> store. <laughs> so and he, we traded scripts and, uh, and he was a better writer than me. Just, I could tell yeah. he was just better. And, uh, but I was hotter. He was already oh, cold. Dang. And so, yeah, cause you know, he hadn't gotten that, break that he was supposed to get so we teamed up and we just started writing together and at first it's difficult um because your ego gets in the way and you feel like well my idea is better you know we should do it my way but um i learned i think we both learned quickly on to trust each other and now we you know we seldom fight about about stuff a lot of times um (laughs) like even this last script we were working on we're doing a rewrite and I go, I don't know about this line. I think you should, I wanted to change it. He goes, no, 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 this is how you said it when you pitched it. And I was like, Oh, oh wow. I, I didn't even, I didn't even realize I, I thought yeah. it was <laughs> that is, that's so good so, that you were like, able huh. to like, uh, see that he was a better writer than you, but then also yeah. you had that like respect for his work. So yeah, I, I guess my question would be like, how would you, how did you know that like, this was the right guy to build a career with? I tried once, with a different yeah. guy. And then he, I, that didn't work out. I don't remember what the exact problem was. He kind of lost interest. Maybe he didn't think I was any good. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. But with my current partner, Sievert, um, you know, you don't really think about building a career. You just feel like, well, can we just mm. get a job? You know, can we get a job? And we got a job and then we kept a <laughs> job. Uh, and then it's just been, you know, it, it's, you know, it turns into a marriage. You know, are you going to be able to stay married yeah. with someone for that long? Yeah. You don't know. Just, you it just, just starts. Just, just take it date by date. You know, you don't. Yeah, yeah. How did you get your first uh, big break in the industry? Uh, well, my, you know, you don't really get a big break. You get a series, a series of little, of little breaks. breaks. So, like, yeah. I mean, my first job was like I was an assistant on a bunch of shows. You know, getting coffee, and then I, I managed to get some jobs writing, uh, a job writing some infomercials, which is not mm-hmm. a big break, but at least I was writing. And then I had a job where I was an assistant to some executive producers of a show. They were writers, right? And then years later, a couple years later, they um, took over. They ran a show called Lois mm-hmm. and Clark, a Superman show. And and I asked if we could pitch them some ideas for a freelance episode. And they were very gracious about it. They said, sure. And that's unusual. Like it's You have to earn that privilege to be able to pitch a freelance because you have to really put in your time. And I had already been working them for um for a couple of years so i'd put my time in with them 
and they let us pitch and they liked one idea. They bought what that one idea. We gave them a draft. They did a pretty good rewrite, a pretty sizable rewrite on it. But that was our first credit. That was my first credit. First that's first credit, that's yeah. a that's a great story. Um, yeah. When you go back and you like read your old work, and then you kind of read the, some of the more personal stuff that you do today, do you find there's like a yeah. underlining thread that's kind of in all your work? Maybe like a theme? Or no, something? not in, well, not in the uh, the sitcom work. I mean, that's yeah. always like you know. Whoever's paying you, that's what you'll write. So uh, there's no personal thread or, you know, I, you know, it's where you go where the money is. So, <laughs> You're uh, kind of like a headhunter, yeah. huh? Uh, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, who's got the money? Yeah, you got your money? Sure, I'll give you that. I love yeah. it. I love, I love it. It's just a, <laughs> a glorified, like, writing hooker. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you get in trouble when you, you know, I got a family, I got bills mm-hmm. to pay, and you know, and you. By the way, you'll find whatever you're writing on, whatever show you're running, you'll find reasons to like that show and to fall in love with those characters. And so to think that, well, no, I'm only going to write for this or write for that, I was like, well, y- you know, that's a good way to not have mm-hmm. a career. You gotta, you know, wherever the money, wherever is, the money is, you know. You'll find a reason to like whatever you write and make it your own. How do, have you ever written on a show that you like personally didn't like? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want you to like um, name names, on, but like, you know, how did you uh, kind of settle in that? Sometimes you write on shows that you don't like the writing uh-huh. staff, the other people, your boss, or like they're miserable people and you just don't like to be at work. Um, there's funny, I read a, a, a survey by the right that the Writers Guild put out. I don't know if it was like on a Facebook page or something, but so the writers go, they're all, you know, these are all professional writers or they've gotten, they've worked at least to some degree. And the question was, would you prefer to work on a show, a hit show that would kind of make your career, but it was a toxic place or on some show that no one's ever heard of and no one's ever going to watch, but you just like being there. And like, I think like 70% of the writers said that's what they would rather do. They'd just rather be on a show where people were nice and, you know, you know, because you you live there. It could be a long yeah. day. Yeah, so, you don't want to be around prickly no. people and people you want to. Yeah, it happens yeah. a lot. Toxic workplaces. I, I know. Yeah, it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, you, Hollywood's getting better at cleaning that up, though, now. But, uh, but you know, it's not going to be that. No, no, no. It's just toxic. It, it, it all depends. I think toxic workplaces all start with one person. It could be a person at the bottom. It could, you know, but it always starts with one person. That mindset kind of just bleeds into other people. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. How do you stay creatively fulfilled? You know, because I know you said you're working where the money is, but how do you, you know, (laughs) how do you stay creatively fulfilled? Like working on TV shows, you're hired versus the stories you want to personally tell and develop. Right. So that was, that's interesting. Cause so that's kind of what I've started doing the past year. So I started writing, I'm putting together a collection of personal mm. essays. So like I love, like I read David Sedaris, how oh, many, he's got so many yes, wonderful books and I've read them all. And it, at one point, it was about a year ago, I was like, I'm going to, I should try that. And like I'd listened to a lot of his books on, on audio uh, tape when I was my, yeah. in the car. I was like, I should try doing that. And then I bought his books and I started reading one and I got the first story. I was like, how hard is this going to, how hard could this possibly be? I'm a professional writer. It won't be that hard. And I read the first story and afterwards, like I almost threw it across the room. I was like, God damn, this guy's so good. Like it was just like, it was so much harder than I thought. But so that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been working on for the past years, just writing a collection of uh, personal stories. And to me, that's, 
like that's just makes writing so much. It just, uh, you know, it's, I'm writing for myself yeah. now. It may, it kind of reminds me of where I was 25 years ago or longer when I started writing as opposed to now it's like, you know, now I write to whatever I think can sell or whatever someone pays me. Mm, right. It's come, it's so. become so commercial for you. It, you you're kind of like taking it back to the basics where it was like, you know, you were doing it out of like the love, yeah. you know, exactly. And I know people who work on professional writers who work on like these, um, uh, you know, like shows like, I don't know, I don't mean names, but, um, uh, what do you call them? Not, not serial, procedural uh, okay. shows procedural shows right and they make a good living and i'm sure it's better than laying bricks or whatever but i know they're not creatively satisfied with those jobs yeah. you know they're not complaining but it's like eh, you know another another yeah. day of work yeah you know keeping the stories it's almost like a step above a soap opera but even a still soap yeah, opera right. is not bad living but you know yeah it's a yeah. good living right it's just that you know you're not creative that's not why any of us Got yeah, yeah, world. yeah. It's like the act. Even the actors right. on the soap operas complain, like, "Oh man, this is becoming a bit, you know, yeah, dull." Right. <laughs> yeah. What right. was the when you were writing as a TV writer and you found your partner? Was there like a specific moment where you uh, just had like a bunch of different, a uh, bunch of confidence in your skill? Um. No. Like, right? You know. It really was a process where, like, he would laugh at something I felt mm-hmm. good, and then I remember thinking, "Oh my god, I'll never say anything funny again." That well, this line has to go into the script because it's the funniest thing I've ever said. I'll never say anything funny ever again. We used oh, to fight wow. about, and then I just <laughs> let it go. Like half the time, I don't even remember <laughs> if I said it. You know, I'll come up with something else. It's fine. Wow! So you gained you confidence know? in your ability to generate funny content. Yeah. 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 It was, I didn't always feel that way. I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. it felt like, you know, you could only generate like one funny idea. And then beyond mm-hmm. that, you're like, I and then you know where else it's going to come from. Yeah. And then you fight tooth and nail for the stupid <laughs> line that you think is so important. And then, you know, there's so many fights you can have that even when you make a show, or when you run a show, you, there's so many fights that you can have. Or so there's so many decisions that you have to make. It's like, why fight for any of them? Like, you know, the fight for the important ones and the little ones, they'll work themselves out. You don't, you can't fight every yeah. fight. You, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. You know? So that's what you learned as yeah. a showrunner. Okay. Yeah. Right. Did you learn uh, decisions like yeah. that as a staff writer or you, you don't, you don't really make decisions like that, do you? No. When you're a staff writer and you work your way up, up to like co-executive producer, that's like the second highest mm-hmm. level. You always think you can do your jo- boss's job better than mm-hmm. they can do it. I mean, you just <laughs> always do. And then you get that job and you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? It's so stressful. <laughs> you know, it's a hard yeah, job. It sounds like it is. Um, oh, okay. okay. Uh, as a TV writer, when you were like learning your craft, uh, what was the aspect of TV writing that like tripped you up or, you know, could subtitle? Yeah. To me, it's, it, it was story breaking. It was how to, like, it was like, uh, my first, my first sitcom job was on Just Shoot Me. And that was such an intimidating writer's room because like there's so many, like it was, everyone was super funny, like crazy mm-hmm. funny. And then you'd break the story on basically on a whiteboard like this. You'd kind of break it into act one, mm-hmm. two, and three. And, um, and then you pitch an idea. And then the boss would go, okay, it goes over here, it goes over here. And you'd be like, how do you know it goes there? Like, wh- what? How do you mm. know? Or you pitch an idea and, and, and he'd say, that's a good idea or a bad idea. But how do you know? Like, I don't know. How do you know? It's, it was like a magic trick. And I didn't doubt him. I just didn't know how he knew how to do it. And so 
for it, that took, that takes years to learn. And then I kind of, we really learned it. My partner, when we were running our first show, cause then all, there's all that pressure on you. You're like, you're now you're the boss to yeah. the board. You're the one who makes those decisions. And so you have to have, that's kind of what I kind of teach in the course, which I think is to me, like that's everything is like knowing where those moments go. And then once you know where the big moments go, everything else, like there's still a million other decisions you have to make. Like, don't think that all the creative part is gone just because I'm telling you that that moment has to go here and this one goes there. There's still a thousand other decisions yeah. that you have to make. So within that framework, there's plenty of room to be creative. So I really, I, I watch like a lot of like Penn and Teller and the mag- he has, they have that magic show. Mm-hmm. It's called Fool Me. And in the show, mm-hmm. if you watch like, you know, episode after episode, you start seeing kind of how magicians start doing tricks when at first you, you, you weren't really mm-hmm. getting it. And then when right. I enrolled in your course, the showrunner's guide to TV, um, that's kind of right. what it felt like. Cause you did the, the breaking story, uh, module. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, is, there's a formula to this. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, there's a formula to everything. If you just like, you know, practicing, you just study it. So I was like, right. dissecting the, the animated show, Mike Tyson's mysteries. And it was like watching mm-hmm. a magician do a magic trip. Cause, Cause I was like watching all, I was like, Oh, that's that point. Oh, that's that point. Uh, yeah. So I right. learned all that in your course. And I was just like, Oh man, this is crazy. Um, what made you put together the course? Cause you're a working TV writer. That's very rare to see a right. course from someone yeah yeah again so that was um my friend phil was had been pressuring me for years and he's like a tech guy he wants to be a writer and he's like you got to make this course because I, I used to sit with him and i tell him all this stuff and and he's like you gotta this is gold this is gold and I'm like, i don't know i don't have the time for this and then the pandemic hit and then i had nothing mm. but time i mean for about six months i was literally the, the show was on was like it was shut down everyone stay in your house don't go anywhere and so i had six months to make this course and um and it's been fun it's been enjoyable because you know as you know when you, when you teach something you also learn in the process of teaching and so even now like i decided to do um look the next one we're going to talk about we're going to talk a little more about amelie which i think is a, the most brilliant movie but it still falls into the same structure that I talk about. So it's not like when I say the structure, it's not like, oh, that's all cliche and hacky and, and uh, formulaic. It's not really that. It's more like these are the ingredients that you need to have in a story to make the story feel engaging and, and satisfying. And so I teach you that part. And then even still, there's, like I said, there's so much room. Like Amelie fits, fits the mold. And it's a brilliant movie. I'm like, it's so good. And it, but it fits the movie. I love it. You're using like, so. was it Amelie? Is that the, that's the French film? Oh, you're going to have to watch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to watch it again. So I haven't good. seen it in quite some time. Yeah. It's probably yeah, 20 years. So watch it again. And then you go, oh my God, it's going to open your eyes. You're going to be like, damn, you know, they're, they're doing exactly <laughs> what they <you're> doing. <laughs> so. If someone is looking to like find their voice as a writer, find clarity through their writing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, figure out if they're like a drama or like you said, like a procedural or soap opera writer, right. uh, whatever the niche is, what's an exercise you have, you, you would like suggest they do to find their voice and tone? This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Sock Season. I have a pair of their unisex essential star quality socks and man, they are comfortable. They truly are. They, they, they come in like weird, funky, cool colors. And I'm not just saying this because they paid me. I'm saying it because I'm a big sock guy and I hate socks that fall apart after a few washes or they're cheap or they're, they're tight around the toe or they hurt around the ankle. I've experienced a lot of different socks and a lot of these companies are cutting corners. 
I've gotten socks from H&M, different department stores. And quite frankly, I feel like I've gotten beaten a lot of times because I no longer wear the socks. And after a few washes, they either rip or they shrink or I lose a pair or I lose one of the socks. That, the, those two are on me. But sometimes they're warped and they just lose their shape. But the cool thing about sock season is sock season has a unique 30-day wash guarantee which covers socks bought within the first 30 days. Like if you buy them and they fall apart within the first 30 days, they will replace them. No questions asked, which is crazy, but that's how much they believe in their socks. So go to www.sockseason.com. S-O-C-K-S-E-A-S-O-N.com. Use coupon code offstage. For 25% off your first order and tell them Jordan sent you because every day is sock season. You know, years ago, um, I met this writer and he's like, I, and I said, uh, do you write comedy or mm-hmm. drama? And he goes, oh, I do both. Cause he didn't want to turn down. Yeah. Any, you know, and he's work. a hooker, <laughs> but yeah, but he wasn't like, he wasn't a comedy writer. It turns out like he wasn't like, he was a good drama writer and he still works quite a bit now. He, he just sold another show. So he's very successful drama, but he's not a comedy writer. He just didn't want to turn down work. And, um, and that's a mistake because you can't make someone like, if you're not funny, you know, if that's not how your mind works, you're not going to be a comedy writer. You, there's other kinds of write drama. That's fine. So you kind of have to be honest with yourself and decide what you think you're good at and what you want to do, what you want to pursue, what you have the talent for. But um, yeah, and then procedure. I don't know why anybody goes to that. I just so Did you ever turn like, down like, um, <laughs> opportunities of like getting into drama, even though you're a comedy writer? You were like, oh, no, 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 you know, um, I'm not a drama writer. We haven't had to, you know, I, Lois and Clark was a drama, was a, was like a dramedy. And then we ran a show called Marin, which was, even though it was a half hour sitcom, it was really more, it was really a dark comedy. It was very, it wasn't jokey. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very funny. It was very, it was more drama than, than anything. So, uh, but do I have a desire to write drama? I really don't. I, I'd rather write drama in my personal writing, but when I'm like, I think where I excel in the TV world is, is comedy. So kind of just what I'd rather do. I like that you were talking about how you found creative fulfillment uh, through your personal essays. Yeah. Um, were you finding, were you, is it because like your mind is kind of put TV work with job and like fiction writing is more like something you're not getting paid to do. So it's more fun. Yeah, basically <laughs> it's like, you know, you got, when you sell something, you got to, you're never the boss. Whenever you sell something, you're, you're, you have, you know, that you have a client. And if it's the network or the studio, they're paying you to deliver something and they have the, they're paying you so that you have to give them what they pay you for. So, but when you write on your own, it was so interesting when I first started writing these, because I remember tried writing them in college and I just didn't have the tools to do any of this writing. I was terrible in college mm-hmm. when I wrote it. But now years later, after doing writing TV for so long, it's like, oh, I don't to do this. And it's just much easier and it's, and it's freeing. And so like now when I write these kind of personal essays, it's more about thinking of a moment in my past, like a little story. And like, well, how do I spread this out into 10, 15 pages and make it kind of feel like um, I'm writing about something as opposed to just telling the you know, the st- a story, what, what is it really about? And how do I dig into that? And that's so, and I don't have to worry about creating characters because the character's me. So I already know that, like, I, that's one problem I can take off the table. You it know? seems pretty cathartic. I don't, I don't like a uh, very, oh yeah, it's yeah. been great. 
it's been great. Like a way to kind of just go through your mind and just kind of just really clear out stuff and then kind of clarify your emotions. I recommend it. If you're a writer, I recommend it. It requires a certain amount of bravery because you know, you're going to be judged. You know, you're saying your truth. And anytime you open up the truth, you, you know, people are going to may think you're an idiot or, or whatever. Uh, so it requires a certain amount of bravery, but you know, I think that's what it's all about. If you're an artist that you have to, do I, I love that. I was talking know? with a writer about that yesterday and he was saying that he gained confidence cause he was like a, a LGBT um, writer, but he was saying that he gained a confidence through his writing by writing people he wanted to be like, and, and being more and mm-hmm. stepping away from the, uh, uh, what people oh. think like, Oh, is that going too far? And then just being more, um, truthful to the story. So I, I think right. that's kind of what you're like doing now with your fiction writing. You're kind of finding the truth in your own story. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, 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 man, that's, that's, uh, it's kind of like close to journaling and, and I think more writers need to do it honestly, mm-hmm. because yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause it gives you confidence. Right. I'm just thinking about it. Like what are the benefits of it? Like personally, <laughs> it gives you confidence, you know? Oh, oh, you should be journaling. If you have the time every day, even if it's only like half hour or mm-hmm. whatever, and even now, I'll, if I have an idea for a, a story or a memory, because like, I don't have that many memories from my childhood, so the ones that I do yeah. remember obviously have an emotional attachment. There's a, you know, they must be important or else I wouldn't remember it. And so I have a list on my phone. I'll just write down moments that are or memories or things I kind of want to talk about or just, and I just run through it every time. Do you months. ever like uh, ask there? other people that were in the memory with you, like if you remembered it correctly? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't, it doesn't really, it's not really important. I feel it's my <laughs> yeah, truth. It's, it's not their truth. Like I wrote, I wrote a story and my mother, my mother was like, no, that's not what happened. I go, that's how I remember it. doesn't matter what you, you and I said, you write your story. Let's hear your version mm. of it. You know? Wow. So, I love that. That you're, you're okay. Like I was saying, you're, you're staying truthful to your truth. <laughs> like whether, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's what people want to hear. They want to, that's what's mm. interesting. You know, if you can get there, a lot of times you don't know what the truth is. And that takes a long time in my writing. Like, I'll write, you know, you asked me earlier, like, why did it take so long when, when I'm writing something? Well, I'll write a first draft and I go, that's not how mm. I felt. Like, that's not, it's just cliche. That pull section sounds like I'm writing a cliche version of what happened. Someone else's mm. version or what I think of how I should have felt. Uh, but if I go back, go, that's not how I really felt. That doesn't ring true. How, and then I have to stop and think, well, how did I really feel? You know? So can you take that same mindset and, and apply it to like a TV show or something that you're. Absolutely. Yeah. Like if you were going to write a, a pilot, you know, I always write, you always, people say, always write what you know. So whatever, you know, little moments, there's constantly moments, even if you're not writing a whole story. Um, if you're on a t- TV show, you might bring a little aspect of, of your life into that character, into that moment or, um, and it always makes it better. It always makes it like, it's always way more interesting than you can dream up is your, a real story that you can bring into it. You know? Yeah. I remember Oz, we were on just shoot me and uh, one of the writers went away. He took, he took a woman he didn't know to, he was just kind of dating or he wanted to date took her to Hawaii. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you don't know her well enough to be taking her to Hawaii. It's not going to work out well. And he did, and it became an episode of Just Shoot Me. That we did it blow up in his face so, in real life, or did it? Yeah, I knew it blew up for the character yeah, on the show. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a disaster, and it was perfect. But, you know, it was like, you know, you can't make that stuff up. You just, you got to feel it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. As a veteran writer, what's a habit someone who's looking to make a career out of writing should do? Like a foolproof habit that if they do it, mm-hmm. it'll eventually work for them. I for sure it, well <clears throat> you know, some some writers don't make mm-hmm. it, right? But I in Hollywood what I've if you write every day, if you commit to the process of learning and the joy of learning, at the end of three years, even if you don't become a successful writer, you will have gained so much. Like, I mean, there's no downside to working on your craft and getting good at something because that the, the joy is the process. It's not in getting there. And I know plenty of writers who have gotten jobs who are still miserable, terrible, unhappy mm. people. So the, if you don't get joy in the process of writing, then don't become a writer. Do something else. That's fine. There's plenty of other things you could do with your life. Uh, so one is to continue working on your craft. And that means committing to even you, everyone has an hour a day. You can do an hour. Like unless you're a single mom and you have three jobs and you drive an Uber. Okay. You don't have an hour a day, but everyone else has an hour. You can, you know, you can do. And so commit to just, and, and by the way, don't just get stuck on one piece that you work on for another, for five years. I know people do that all the time. It's like, okay, finish your script, put it down, start another one. And then you're ne- and then you do it when you're done, do another one because after a year or three years or whatever long it is, your current script will be a thousand times better than the first one you wrote. It doesn't matter. It just will be. That's just how you get better. If you constantly polish this one script and you're con- you all you all use work on this one script, stop it. Put it down. Pick up another one. And then the, with the perspective of time and working on your craft, you'll go back in your first one. You go, oh, my God, I see how this first one could be so much better now. I love that. You're telling people to develop a habit of writing. Some some people, they shy away from habits and they forget that habit and time compounds. And that if you, it works, it works. If you just stick with it. Some people just want to sell a script. How do I sell a script and become a, well, (laughs) you don't, you don't just sell a script. You you work on your craft, you become a writer, you know, then you sell your script. You know, some people just want to, it's an ego thing. I want to have my script made. Okay. But why, you know, do you want to be a writer or not? Now you just want to have your name on, on the screen. Wow. You know, if, that, if that's all, if you're, if you wanted to satisfy your ego, then just donate money to a hospital and have a plaque on the wall and you'll be doing more good for the world. You know? Wow. I never really heard somebody yeah. break it down so simply, you know? Yeah. I mean, just, and like someone once asked like, well, when are you a writer? Is it when you get your first check? No, you're a writer when you commit to writing every day and you're serious. Well, when did you it. learn that? When did I make that up? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I was there. I was the same way. Like I wanted to be, I felt like I wasn't a writer until someone was paying me to be a writer. But there are plenty of famous writers who died, successful writers who died before they ever became famous. And does that make, does that mean they weren't writers? You know, no, they were writers. They just hadn't, you know, made money yet. So um, I, I just admire people who, who work on their craft. It doesn't really matter what you work. You could be, you know, you see this now all the time with Facebook and like people who are amazing at gymnastics or someone who's amazing playing the piano. And like, you, I just admire the, the, that single minded focus that they had to get to that one place where they can do something so well, like, so what, like that's amazing regardless of whether this gymnast is ever going to make a nickel mm-hmm. from it. Like that's amazing to me. And I think the same thing is with writing. You don't just, 
like some people think, well, I'm, you know, if, as long as you can hold a pencil, you're a writer. Well, no, no every, you know, that's the, you know, you got to do more than that. You have to commit to the process of learning and then you'll get better as you find, you know, as you get closer to the truth, you're finding your, your voice and discovering the truth. And so that's when you're a writer. When did I decide that? I don't know. It's, I guess that's just age, age. I guess. I, don't know. I like that you yeah. say that you admire people that, um, you know, spend their life and then they've put their time in the dedication and then the focus. And yeah. I've noticed that like a lot of people that are miserable, they're miserable because they haven't made a decision and then just stuck with something. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But they're breaking through. That's what the reward is. Sticking know? with it even when it's like hard or you're not getting any shine for it. And no yeah. Facebook likes, nobody's congratulating you. You're just doing the damn work. Doing it because, yeah, because you're enjoying the, the journey, the process. That's the reward. The reward is in the process. The reward is in the process. I, I love that. Yeah. I, it's not the check. It's not the, the check. <laughs> the check is nice, but it's not the check. Yeah. yeah. Right. Out of right. all the TV shows that you've like written on, what's the work that you're most proud of? Oh, boy. Uh, you, you know, um, it's hard to say. Like when we ran the show called Marin, which not many people saw, but it was the critics liked it. We did it for four years. And it was such a, um, it was such a low budget show. And there were only in the beginning, there were only four of us, four writers. Mm-hmm. Mark Maron was the star. He was one of them. And it was me and my partner. And then there's one other guy. And, and there was so much work to be done. And it was my first time running a live action show that there were so many decisions to be made. And I remember the, then the first day of production, they were giving me a tour of the production. The people who were, the studio was giving me a tour. They're like, here's your offices. And it was just some woman who worked in the you know management or whatever. And she goes, I shouldn't be telling you this, but we're all kind of laughing because the budget on your show is so small. We don't think you can oh, do yeah. it. And I was like, Oh, this, I haven't even started my first, I haven't even started. It's my first live action show. And I'm already being, you know, laughed and being told I can't do this. And I remember asking her very seriously. I was like, well, is there enough money to have a whiteboard like mm-hmm. this? And she's like, Oh yeah, we have a supply room full of whiteboards. You can have as many whiteboards as you want. I'm like, Oh, what are we working on? As long as I can have a whiteboard, I can break the story. And I, we don't have to set it on Mars. We just set it over ah. there, you know, in the, in the backyard. It's fine. And, you know, and of course we did it. We did it for four years. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, but if you look at the show, it's like, it's not that well lit uh, because we didn't have time. We didn't, you know, most shows, they take uh, like five or even seven days to shoot an episode. This was, we did it in two and a mm. half. So it was like, as long as someone's thumb was in front of the lens, I was like, good enough. Let's go on. You know, it was like the it. Clint Eastwood and so it, shooting, just like, just run and gun, you know? Yeah. Run and gun. And, and, but, and like the reviews, no one ever said, eh, the show could be better lit. Everyone was like, the writing is great. The acting was great. Like, that's what they said. So it was like, you know, so that's why you think if, you know, anybody listening to this, if you have a, an iPhone, like you can make a show for $10, you know, you download an app that edits it, you know? Yeah. You, no one's as long as the writing is good and the acting has to be good as well. Everything people will forgive everything else. It's all about story, you know. Yeah, I think we story, all forget yeah. that you know the bigger the budgets on these movies get, they get bigger and bigger, but the storylines and the plot holes get dumber and dumber. Yeah, I don't, and and even if they have a great actor in it, you see these movies with these you know these giant adventure movies with, that are terrible. They have great actors in it, and they're just terrible, and like you know. The actors can't make a movie. Really, the script has to make a really What's an unpopular opinion you have about writing? An unpopular opinion? Oh, well, and I felt this way in the beginning. If um, I used to say this a lot. If you're having a lot of fun doing it, 
you're doing it wrong. Because <laughs> it's, it, it's hard. Is it still true for you? I think so. Because a lot of times people write for themselves and like, I'm loving this. Look at this. This is so interesting. And, but you have an obligation and a responsibility to your audience to entertain them. And whether you're writing a book or a TV show or whatever, because if you don't entertain them, they're just going to put down the book and read something else or, or change the channel. And so you have to ask yourself, am I, is this for me? Is this line for me or is it for the audience? If it's for me, get rid of it. You know, that's selfish. You have a responsibility to your audience to entertain them in some way. It doesn't have to be funny, but you have to be, you know, it has to be. Engaging. So when you say get rid of it, it has to be more true to the story than just like an ego kind of like this is the best yeah. joke I've ever written. It has to go in. But it doesn't mm-hmm. push the story yeah. forward. Yeah. So you're more like, cut exactly. it out, put a line in that pushes the damn story forward. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes you'll have a line that's off story, but I love this line, but it's not on yeah. the story. And, or it's hurting the story. Get rid of it. It's not for you. Yeah. yeah. I know some writers, you know, like we, we like admire and we're like, oh man, we love the way they have dialogue or like something, something say like, oh, that Sorkin-esque, like, you know, like Aaron Sorkin, right. and the very wordy or like Shonda Rhimes shows a character in the middle of surgery is just break out into just like glowing monologue. And you're like, wait a minute, this person's mm-hmm. dying on the table. <laughs> They're talking about love. Like, but that's kind of like their signature. Uh, do right. you think that they basically learn the rules so they can break the rules? Oh, I, I think all writers know. The, the funny thing is if you can, I can walk into any mm-hmm. writer's room and I could say all these things that I kind of teach and everyone's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's not like, it's, we all know it because we've all, I mean, at least the higher yeah. up ones, the ones who are just starting out haven't quite learned it yet. But we all have a certain language, at least in the comedy world. We have a language that we all use. It's common and like, it's just like a shorthand. So it's not like, um, yeah, so we understand. We all understand the rules, right? Understand the rules just to yeah. break them, um, man. Yeah, then you. Yeah, then you could break them, but you have to be understand. Well, okay, I'm breaking this rule. How do I compensate for the fact that I'm breaking this rule? So that's a constant. You can definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely. Yeah, and I like I mentioned to you. I, I decided to write a personal story where I broke the rule, and I go, but I was going to compensate for it, and then I gave it to my wife to read, and she's no. And I go really. <laughs> Well, I thought I'd made up. She goes, no. I'm like, okay, go back to wow. the books. She a writer herself? <laughs> no, she's an actor. I met her. She was an actor on Just Shoot Me. Uh, and that's how that's I met nice. her. So, but acting and writing is very, uh, you know, so very similar. That's very true. You that's know? very true. Yeah, because yeah, actors know how to break down scripts and all that. Well, they, it's always about knowing, for an actor, you have to be in the moment. You have to get to the truth of the, of the scene and the, and the truth of the emotion. So that's kind of how she... When she reads my work, that's how she approaches it. She's like, eh, you're not digging deep enough, you know? Wow. That's great. Who are the people around you who you go to for truth in your writing? She's the first person. She's always the first. You know, yeah. And then then when I write for TV, of course, it's my partner. And, you know, we read each other's. So that's kind of, then you turn it up to the studio and they have notes or the network has notes, you know? Okay. All right. Uh, What's the quote or something you want to leave the audience with? A quote I want to leave the audience with. I don't know. You dropped uh, a lot of nuggets. You really did. You dropped a lot. Of oh, good. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I do think that um, you know, if writing is your passion, again, to to uh, you uh, you have an hour. You have an hour every day. You know, and start. You could like personal essays if that's your. I always think it's a great place to start, even if that's not what you want to do ultimately, because you'll feel you'll 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 see how many small little stories. 
like small stories are always more interesting than big stories, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have to, you know, like if you, if I, if I ask you to write your story, you're like, well, I wasn't orphaned and I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't raised in the middle of uh, the woods and I didn't, my parents weren't killed in a car crash. Like, so therefore I don't have anything interesting to say. Interesting. Of course you do. All the little things, like the little moments in your life are amazingly interesting. So like all and you, and you have all of that. You know, I think people forget to mind them, their own experiences when they write and like, yeah, yeah people forget that because they always look externally rather than looking internally in their mind. All right. People, everyone assumes that they're not yeah. interesting, but everyone's interesting. You just have to know how to access that part. I of guess yourself. because you've been showing up to this show every day for the past however many years you're alive and you don't really think the show's interesting, but there are a lot of interesting details about you, like you said. Yeah, right. I don't, like, I, yeah, I don't think there's anything. <laughs> but, but when I write, I go, okay, that's people, that, that part's interesting, I think. You yeah. Know? Like, but I'm not, I didn't do anything spectacular or fantastic, you know, for my life. I'm just a person. <laughs> just a person. How can you the know? people get in touch with you? Oh, uh, so yeah, I have a website, michaeljammon.com. You can contact me through there. You can follow me on Facebook, which is Michael Jammon Writer. And sometimes I, I try to post uh, every once in a while, like a writing tip. Like, so I'll, yeah, I offer this course and anyone's welcome to, you know, check that out. Um, and actually, if you sign up for it, I send the first three lessons for free. So and I think that's helpful. You know, even if you don't want to go further, I talk about what story is and how to, uh, and at least the beginning parts of how to shape a, how to find what a story is. And that's super helpful, I think. And that, that part's free. So you can sign up for that or you can follow me on Facebook and or Twitter or whatever. I don't really tweet, uh, tweet that much, but yeah, whatever. Maybe I'll say something. Interesting <laughs> <today>. <laughs> All right, Michael, I'd like to thank you for the chat. This has been the draft of the Jordan Baylor draft. Now go turn off your phone and go write. 